This is the Power Slam Podcast. Um, my name is Brendan Dennis. I will be your host. Uh, this is my very first episode putting this together. Um, something I've been thinking about doing for a little while. I haven't really found the time to do it uh, between all my other obligations. Work, I have a son, a uh, girlfriend, buying a house, a lot of different things going on in my life personally. So wasn't able to squeeze this in, but... Uh, I do drive a lot for my job. I've got some time, otherwise some downtime, and sometimes I find myself not knowing what to do, not being productive. So let's put it to good use. Why don't we? Let's talk about something that I'm interested in, something I do have some knowledge about, and would like to share with everybody else here, uh, and that is professional wrestling. Um, for some background for me, uh, I've been into wrestling. Probably got really into it about WrestleMania 19 or 20. Um, so I was actually after the Attitude Era, just maybe at the tail end of it, depending on how you want to categorize it. Um, so, you know, obviously WrestleMania 19, which would have been Rock Austin 3, um, WrestleMania 20, the big main event between Brock and Kurt Angle, uh, the ill-fated moonsault for Brock. Um, you know, a lot of those uh, memories are kind of some of my first as being a really big fan into wrestling. Um, so I was a fan of probably from WrestleMania uh, 1920 through about 23-24, uh, dropped it for a little bit, and then kind of came back around 30-31, um, which would have been what, about 2014-2015, uh, um, and then have been going full bore probably for the last you know three or so years. So um, again, just want to do this podcast, share my knowledge with everybody else. Uh, I'll try to have some structure to it so everybody can follow along with what I'm talking about. Maybe occasionally have some guests, but for, at least for the first few episodes, this is probably just going to be me, my thoughts on um, mainly WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling as promotions. I think that those, to me, are the top two going right now. WWE, obviously, in terms of popularity and fan base, the WWE Universe is millions um, strong, I would say, worldwide. It is such an amazing out influence and reach um, that it really just simply cannot be matched. Uh, but New Japan, to me, is personally my favorite wrestling promotion, so I will certainly be talking about storylines in New Japan. I talk about um, a lot of the pay-per-views. Uh, they have Secure Genesis coming up here on Easter, April 1st, this coming Sunday. Uh, so maybe we'll get into a little bit of that later. Um but just the wrestlers in New Japan, the quality of the wrestling, the way that they structure the promotion, uh, I think it's really what's hot right now and really should be at the top of every wrestling fan's list um, in terms of what they're looking for. But again, that's <laughs> I think that. That's my own opinion personally. If you like WWE or you like you know Impact or you know ROH or whatever else you're into um, – it would be interesting to hear those opinions. And at some point in this podcast, um, hopefully I'll be able to potentially take some calls down the line um, and get those opinions as well. But like I said, for the first few episodes here, it's just going to be me. Um, so hopefully everybody who is listening and does enjoy my opinion, uh, think that I have something to offer. And uh, if you think that I do, I'm hopefully going to be putting this together every week. I would imagine it's probably going to fall somewhere in the neighborhood of 45 minutes to an hour. All right, so um, let's get into it. Um, like I said, I, I just kind of want to uh, structure this in a certain format. So what I'm going to do is talk about a um, 
hot topic right now, something that's probably coming up to start off with with the show and then maybe talk about more general topics later on. Um, so those that are listening, you know, because when I'm listening to a podcast or some sort of news story or something of that nature, I want to hear, you know, the, the here and the now first. If you want to talk about more general opinions, you know, do that later so I can kind of tune out. Um, but if there's something, you know, hot, that's a hot button item or hot stove item, you know, talk about it right off the bat. And so let's do that. Um, you know, right now let's talk about um, New Japan's Secure Genesis. And then after that, we can maybe go into a recap of Raw and SmackDown uh, leading into uh, the go-home shows coming up this uh, coming week into WrestleMania. Now, leading up to Secure Genesis, there are a couple additional house shows. I think they're taking place, um, I want to say tonight, March 29th and March 30th. I'm not going to run down the card for those specifically as I'm kind of unfamiliar with it. But for Secure Genesis itself, again, this Easter, April 1, um, I think it's a very interesting card, particularly the undercard. Okay, so everybody knows um, that we're going to get a main event with Okada and Zack Sabre Jr. I'll talk about that in a second here. Um, But the undercard itself involves some heavy um, bullet club uh, issues. And that's where I think a lot of the action is going to lie. One of the two, there are two matches that are basically Bullet Club versus Bullet Club to, to an extent. Again, one of them is Kenny Omega and Ibushi the Golden Lovers versus Cody and Hangman Page. So again, I, I think it's sort of up in the air as to whether Kenny's even really in Bullet Club any longer at this point. Um, but the other match is the one that sort of caught my attention that looks to potentially be leading off the Sakura Genesis card, which is Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens against the Young Bucks. Um, and I, again, the Young Bucks, I don't think that there's any question as to the idea that they're still in Bullet Club. If you're a viewer of Being the Lead, um, you saw the episode where... Uh, they basically came in and, you know, made good with the Tongan element of the Bullet Club. Chase Owens was actually in the room for that scene. Yujiro wasn't, um, but spoke with them and made sure that everything was kosher uh, going forward for that element of things. Um, and I just assumed that everything was cool in the Bullet Club. But it apparently appears as though everything might not be, because now we get Yujiro Takahashi and Chase Owens, who are firmly entrenched in kind of, I guess, that Tongan, uh, you know, New Japan exclusive variation of the Bullet Club, or I guess um, maybe not variation of, but element of the Bullet Club. And then versus the Young Bucks, who are really at this point primarily, I would say, Ring of Honor wrestlers although they do do a fair amount of New Japan work. They're, you know, American ROH primary. And maybe that's where we're seeing the Bullet Club split here at this point, because you look at it down the battle lines, you've got Cody and Hangman, who are ROH wrestlers, who, you know, again, ROH and New Japan overlap quite a bit. Um, So they do a lot of sharing of talent, what have you. and Cody and Hangman are certainly a couple of them that are always over in New Japan doing stuff. Cody has amped that up even more here in the last few months with the Bullet Club split angle. Um, 
then you've got those two, you've got um, Young Bucks fit in within that same element. Um, and then Marty, who, again, is primary, primarily an ROH wrestler, even though um, you know he's going to be wrestling, uh, it appears, Will Osprey on the same card as well for the uh, junior title. Um, which is interesting because Marty then on Supercard of Honor, um, just afterwards, is uh, wrestling um, Dalton Castle for the ROH title, which could be very interesting. So that that appears to be where the split is taking place. So again, along these Ring of Honor, New Japan lines, all of the New Japan exclusive wrestlers seem to have banded together, which... Again, going through the Bullet Club roster, you've got Bad Luck Fale, you've got Tama Tonga, Tonga Loa, uh, Hikulio, also known as Leo Tonga, uh, Takahashi, Owens, um, and then Kenny. And Kenny seems to have made nice enough with that element of the Bullet Club to the point where he's been tagging with Chase Owens um, repeatedly in the last few shows. Um, and with other aspects of the Bullet Club at this point. So um, they seem to be cool. It's, uh, it's obviously Cody and Hangman who he specifically has a problem with, and they've somewhat recruited Marty all over to their side, although he's a little more reluctant at this point, and the Young Bucks are still very confused following um, that great tag in Los Angeles uh, against the Golden Lovers. But again, to have this Takahashi Owens getting back to Secure Genesis, this Takahashi Owens versus Young Bucks tag to open up the card on April 1, I think is going to be uh, a phenomenal experiment to watch in just how this is handled. If the Young Bucks, I'm assuming it'll probably play out almost like a G1 match between two faction members where, you know, they hug at first and they're, you know, everything's cool. And then, you know, one of them thinks the other one's going to lay down for them, and they're not, and then they start fighting. I, I would imagine it's going to be something along those lines, prepaid by numbers in that regard. Um, but Chase Owens still, I think, has some talent. Um, I don't think he's ever going to be anything bigger than a mid-carter. He's a little small still, um, and, you know, to the point I don't think he's growing all that much, <laughs> not in terms of his height. So, uh, you know, I think that's where he is. I think Ujiro... Again, he had that run with the Never Belt a couple of years ago. Hasn't really done a heck of a lot since. Really been on the lower card for quite uh, a period here. But when he wants to turn it up, he can turn it up. And he can produce some pretty good matches. And I, I think that this could be a situation with him in the ring with the Bucks for the first time in forever. Um, I don't know if you're drawing Takahashi's ever wrestled the Young Bucks. I would imagine way, maybe way back in the day, um, they may have met up at some point previously, but um, maybe before Yujiro joined Bullet Club. But again, this it would have been years ago that they've actually wrestled each other. So to see him come out and see what his fire level is like, uh, because I think he does have at least the capability to put forth a very good effort. Um, I think will be interesting on the front end of that card. And then, of course, to see whatever additional fallout um, could take place after that match is over. And again, if that starts the show um, on Easter, which I think it's going to, then you lead up later to another match that I mentioned earlier being Cody and Hangman Page versus the Golden Lovers. So now we've had the Young Bucks versus the Golden Lovers. Now we get Cody and Hangman. Now, Cody and Hangman, unlike the Young Bucks, have 
no remorse, I'm sure whatsoever, uh, or will show no mercy, I should say, for the Golden Lovers at the time of this match. Uh, it is going to be a knock him down, drag him out fight. Um, Hankman, you know, is still a little raw. I, I, you know, even though he's been doing this for a while, I still kind of question if he's got that next level to his talent. You know, the problem is he's going up against two guys that I think are two of the best wrestlers out there here in 2018 and Dakota Ibushi and Kenny Omega. Um, and that's good and bad because, you know, uh, Kota and Kenny can carry him to a certain degree. But I don't think the Hangman's on their level now, certainly. And I, I really highly doubt that he's ever going to quite get there. His match with Jay White in Los Angeles for the U.S. title was kind of underwhelming. Um, you know, it had spots, certainly. Uh, there was the spot on the apron. Um, gosh, I can't remember who did it to who, but basically it was a... Uh, kind of a uh, suplex, I want to say, on the apron that I think it was Hangman who was getting suplexed, and he missed the apron barely, but it looked like it could have been really bad if he were to have hit it. Um, but again, that was a little sloppiness. I think the point being that he was supposed to have hit the apron, and they didn't. So it's it's little things here and there um, with Hangman. Same thing with Jay White, actually, who we had that match with, that he's going to have to step up and get right in order to reach uh, that next level and be you know an upper mid-card guy, which I think is probably going to be his ceiling. Um, and again, I, I'm not even so sh- sure he's going to reach that. I think that he's probably destined to be a mid-card, lower mid-card type wrestler for the majority of his career. I think that being the elite has helped him substantially in terms of merch sales and the whole storyline with Joey Ryan. Um, you know, again, you know, that that's <laughs> him being, um, you know, the penis pretender and what have you. That has uh, been interesting um, but again, I, I don't know if he's going to be able to take that next step. I highly doubt it. So you got Hangman, and then you've got uh, Cody, who has surprised me. Cody's been better than I thought he was going to be on the Indies. And, you know, to be honest with you, I think I was just dumbed down on too much Stardust during his WWE run there towards the end to really think that he was going to be able to produce much of anything on the Indies and in New Japan in ROH and look what he's done. Um, you know, he's played it pretty close to masterfully. Um, and made himself a good amount of coin, probably more coin than he was making in WWE, at least towards the end. Um, and putting himself in a very good position going forward. So kudos to Cody Rhodes, uh, for doing what he's done. And I think that he is certainly on an upper mid card level. He had that run as, um, champion in ROH, which, again, I, I, you know, I respect ROH as an organization. I think it's a little thin right now in terms of the talent. you got Dalton Castle with his run. Jay White's still a very solid performer over there. Cody's a solid performer. But if I look at Ring of Honor right now when I want to parse out superstars, that's tough for me to do probably beyond the Young Bucks. And I know that you know, people have varying opinions on the Young Bucks. I'm more of a Young Bucks lover than a Young Bucks hater. Um, so they're kind of you know, towards the top for me. But other than that, I, I don't see a ton of mega stars really in Ring of Honor right now. You know, Adam Cole ended up leaving. Um, you had Fish and O'Reilly that left. Uh, they're getting picked apart by WWE, which I think is, is causing them some problems. Um, so you've got those two, again, going against Cody and Kenny. I think Coda and Kenny are 
two of the best in the business currently. Uh, I think the Golden Lovers, seeing them reunite, and again, you know, I wasn't overly familiar with the Golden Lovers storyline. I sort of educate myself through Google, uh, which is my resource, uh, to make sure that I kind of get the backstory when things like this come up, when I'm not otherwise familiar with specifically what it is. And having done that, it's cool to see them reunite. It was um, cool that they kind of came up together. Kodo was the one that ended up getting pushed by New Japan as potentially a big new star. Kenny really didn't get that as much. Um, it was kind of hanging back, and it really wasn't until his involvement with Bullet Club that Kenny had the uh, vehicle that he needed to jump out and be a star in this industry. And boy, did he need it. Um, but when he got it, he made the most of it. And he has done, uh, sort of like Co Cody Rhodes, he's done a phenomenal job, Kenny Omega has, of taking advantage of an opportunity that was provided to him. Um, and again, Rocket, I mean, the, the Rocket was strapped to his back and he just, he, he made sure it had enough fuel and he's taking it right to the moon. Um, because he's right up there and his, his talent level in the ring is phenomenal. He's a great athlete. Um, he's able to put it all together from every facet. Uh, he's got the agility. He's got, you know, the cruiserweight type moves and the moves that you would expect a junior wrestler to have, but he's also able to get, put it together with heavyweight type moves, such as the one winged angel, um, which let's face it, people who are weaker and, you know, don't have the upper body strength in order to perform that move wouldn't be able to do it. Um, a smaller wrestler or a guy who's just way too small would be, you know, fail against most opponents when it came to actually getting them up in that electric chair position and putting them down the way that he does. So that match from a star standpoint, I think can be a very good match, but looping back again, we're looking at two guys in Cody and hangman who are in one particular facet on this. And then we've got Kenny who's on the complete opposite end and then we've got Coda and all we know that about Ibushi at this point is that he's supporting Kenny I mean really we don't know anything more than that we don't know I am sure he's not a huge Bullet Club fan although again leading up to the Los Angeles show and Secure Genesis he's been wrestling with the Tongan element the New Japan element of the Bullet Club um, in a bunch of tag matches specifically again with Chase Owens um, and I believe he had one or two with Fale and Takahashi and some of those guys so it's really, really weird. Um, and the shakeout starting here at Secure Genesis and then leading up to Supercard of Honor, which of course is Kenny Omega and Cody Rhodes one-on-one. -on -one. But Cody, don't call him Rhodes. Cody, one-on-one. Uh, -on -one. Um, is going to be fascinating. And I know that being the elite has only enhanced that aspect of things for people. Um, because it's really created a lot of confusion about how this is going to play out and I think keeping people on the edge of their seats is the best thing that these guys can do. And I think that they've done it relatively masterfully here. So, you know, again, good job to all of those involved from the Bullet Club. Um, for those who do watch being the lead, uh, I would also suggest the Gorillas of Destiny, of course, being Tama Tonga and Tonga Loa, have come up with their own um, YouTube channel now. And actually it features, for the most part, Leo Tonga, um, in a lot of the videos, but um, I would certainly suggest taking a look at that. Either it's Leo or it's Tama, who we are usually filming. Um, and again, just different road stuff. Um, 
kind of how they hang out, what they do. Uh, it's just another aspect of it. But um, it gives you a behind the scenes and it makes you feel like more of the, like you're in more of the action, so to speak, as a wrestling fan. And I think that's, you know, to interact with those guys through YouTube is, is a pretty cool idea and a neat way to go about it. So uh, take a look at that as well. So with Sakura Genesis, there is a main event. And that main event is yet another match that I am looking forward to uh, quite a bit. That being Zack Sabre Jr., winner of the 2018 New Japan Cup against Kazuchika Okada, um, a gentleman who has been champion here for, gosh, I mean, what are we going on now, about two years, uh, which is just unbelievable. Zack Sabre Jr., um, to me, who basically looks like, he looks like a diver, doesn't he? I mean, he sort of does. He's got those, you know, trunks on, those uh, SPLX trunks, which I would imagine stands for, I've never, I haven't looked into this brand, but I would imagine that's, you know, kind of like suplex, but obviously without the vowels. Um, so I'm assuming there's some sort of wrestling brand that he must just be affiliated with and promote. Um, but yeah, he's, he's such a thin guy. I, I always want him to put some more meat on him, but I, I would be afraid that if he did that, he can't do the other things that he does from a submission standpoint, uh, be as flexible and, and do all the moves that make Zack Sabre Jr. who he is. Um, but his New Japan run was just something else. Um, to go through Naito, uh, Sonata, Tanahashi, um, who else? Did, he beat somebody else that I'm missing, um, who was also uh, a larger name. So for him to have gone on the run that he did in that New Japan Cup to get the title shot with Okada here at Secure Genesis was unbelievable. All the matches that he went through were unbelievable. Um, and his work on the mic has been great. You know, he's great on the mic from an English standpoint. Now, of course, again, New Japan is, despite the fact that they're running shows here in America, they're still a Japanese-centric promotion. And Zack Sabre Jr. doesn't speak Japanese. He's not Kenny Omega, who I respect highly, by the way, for learning Japanese the way that he has and integrating that into his promos and his uh, press conference work and everything else. I think it's been fantastic on his part. Yet again, when you talk about Kenny Omega and making the best of his opportunities and really you know, utilizing them to the fullest, the, his ability to learn Japanese and uh, make that a staple of his promo work has been fantastic. But Zack Sabre Jr. doesn't know that, and uh, it would probably take him quite a bit to kind of learn that and, and get that into his uh, repertoire. So instead, they've taken Taka Minoshku and made him um, Zack's mic piece. I mean, basically, he's, um, for lack of a better term, uh, kind of the Paul Heyman to Zack Sabre's Brock Lesnar. So Taka will come out and he'll do the promo work for Zack. And I think that's added kind of a cool element to things. Um, and again, Taka, not a great wrestler. I don't think you're going to see a lot of people pop out and say that Taka is some sort of fantastic wrestler here. Um but he does seem to do pretty well on the mic for the purposes of promoting Zack in Japanese. Combine that with Zack's shenanigans, um, you know, on the mic in English, and you've got a, a guy who's, again, doing very well and uh, within, with promoting himself within the organization. Um, there was a press conference after one of Sabre and Minoru Suzuki's matches. This is the first time they ever tagged, and I believe they won, uh, and they came back, and they've got some sort of tag 
I'll have to look more into this, but they might have a tag belt from another promotion. I don't know if it's um, PWG or who it is, or Rev Pro. I want to say, maybe, um, that they have tag belts from. But they come back with their belts, and they've got them all like laid out on the table. And you've got Zach giving his you know, post-match discussion in English, Minoru doing his in Japanese, um, and then, you know, Zach keeps on saying his, his running joke over the last week, couple weeks, has been that when he ends up getting beer after matches in New Japan, it always ends up being warm beer. And he goes, ale in Britain, he's like, it's a stereotype. Ale is supposed to be warm. Lager is not supposed to be warm. Lager is supposed to be cold. Give me cold beer when I come back here for press conferences after, you know, winning matches. So, I, you know, I don't understand why I'm getting this warm beer. Um, that was pretty funny. He, the, the way that he puts it on is great. Um, again, something else to go and check. I, I believe that's on New Japan's YouTube channel. Um, funny stuff. I'm sure it's on New Japan World as well. But uh, those are all going to be fantastic matches. I think Zach and Okada is has the potential certainly to be a five-star match. I think Okada yet again is going to win. I don't know when the Okada train is going to stop. Um, I thought it was going to stop at Wrestle Kingdom 12. I thought Naito went in with just the world behind him. I, you know, I thought he was absolutely on fire heading into that match. Everybody in the Tokyo Dome uh, on January 4 wanted him to win that match, and for whatever reason, they didn't pull the trigger. I still think that was a booking mistake. Naito since then, again, he lost in the first round of the New Japan Cup to Zack Sabre. He has lost some other matches along the way. Um, I think the mystique that Naito had as the leader of LIJ going into Wrestle Kingdom 12 has now been lost. to it. Not entirely, but it's the shine is off a little bit. And he I, again, he was just absolutely on fire. The merch sales were merch was flying off the shelves. Everybody was behind him. Um, and people still are to a degree, but it, you really had it just reach a crescendo there. And I know that it's cool for Okada to hold the belt for a long period of time, that you know, you're selling shows and you're doing well in America, all with Okada as champion. It's hard to kind of see past that, but you know, to, to have given Naito a run here, I don't see how that would have been bad. I, I don't see how business would have otherwise slowed. I think that Okada has plenty of other feuds that he can have uh, both outside and even potentially within chaos, you know, specifically Jay White, um, that could keep him busy if he didn't have the belt. But again, Gato didn't want to do it. That's that's his call. And um, here we are. But again, this is sort of leading into Secure Genesis. Again, I don't know when Okada is going to drop this belt. I don't suspect it's going to happen in this match. Um, but I do think that the match that they're going to put on is going to make Zack Sabre, if, if he hasn't done so already, frankly, through this New Japan Cup run, um, a star in this promotion. And I, I couldn't be happier because I think he, he is a guy who makes pain look very real in the ring. And that's what it's about in New Japan, at least to me. You know, compa contrasting, comparing and contrasting New Japan and WWE, I think is like... You know, contrasting not apples and oranges but like apples and asparagus i mean they're just wholly different things um new japan focuses on the violence they focus on the element of realism to me 
uh, and making everything seem like an actual fight. You know, you've got the red corner and the blue corner when the wrestlers are introduced and they've got the graphic up that actually has the color in the background in terms of what corner they're going to be in for the match. Um, everything just seems extremely official in the way that it's presented. It's presented more as a sporting event. There isn't all of this promo work in the ring and, you know, having people come out and just talk for hours or what have you. I mean, usually if there's any promos to be performed, they're typically done after matches, which I'm much more okay with than this, hey, the show's going to start, let's do a half hour of, you know, promo work before we get to a commercial and not even have a match within the first 30 to 40 minutes of the show. I think it's crazy. Raw. Um, um, in any event, that's, I, I have a problem with that layout so with new japan it's right to the matches always um if there's going to be promo work it's after a match or it's in the back um at a separate press conference again that's typically posted to new japan world and if you want to watch those things you can watch them. and a lot of them are great you know i've got i'll probably do this on the next episode of this podcast but i you know i, I could think of chris jericho um you know I'll, I'll do a little retrospective i'll go back to chris jericho and kenny omega from wrestle kingdom 12 which was probably my favorite Chris Jericho match of all time. And he's one of my favorite wrestlers. He's right up there for me um, with Shawn Michaels, um, not in terms of wrestling ability, but in terms of the entire kit and caboodle and what he brings to the table. Um, I think Chris Jericho, from a promotional standpoint, is number one with a bullet. I don't think it's even close. I think the way that he has, at the age of 47, maintained relevance in the wrestling world and kept people guessing um, and put on that match uh, at Wrestle Kingdom with Omega was just beyond words. And I, you know, to, to, to have seen him do that in 2018 was awesome. Um, but that's what you could expect from New Japan is that stuff at your own leisure and not forced upon you. And that is probably one of my main um, areas of uh, concern with WWE again, beyond the fact that there are moves and just the violence and realism in New Japan that you can't get in WWE anymore. And I know, you know there's a lot about pro- protecting the wrestlers, and that's extremely important. And you look at Katsuyori Shibata and um, the bleeding on the brain that he had and possibly ending his career. You know, he's back as a trainer now in Los Angeles for New Japan. He may come back at some point in the future. Um, and, yeah, the headbutts have to stop, and I think they pretty much have stopped. I haven't seen Ishii do very much of that lately. But, um, you know, New Japan certainly does have some moves like pile drivers and other things that you can't get in WWE anymore. And I understand wrestler safety, but I, it, I think it's cool. I do. And if these guys are willing to do it and they understand the risks of it, that's the thing. If they understand the risks of it and you've got a medical staff that's otherwise there to treat them and they know how to do it, they know how to do it as safely as they possibly can, I think that that's what it is. If you take too much of that out of the sport, it doesn't become a sport anymore. I mean, I could go on about that in wrestling. I can go on about, you know, the new helmet rule that just came out yesterday about lowering your helmet in the NFL. Um, if you eliminate too many elements of the sport, what, what are you really watching anymore? It becomes something completely different. And I think that that's maybe the level that we're getting to in WWE because um, it's difficult to put on those amazing matches if you take too much out of it. So, uh, Secure Genesis, again, April 1. If, if you've never subscribed to New Japan World before, okay, first of all, there's an English element to the website where you can go and translate the website to English in order to sign up. 
But also, it's not like the WWE Network in which you subscribe and then basically get a 30-day window for your subscription. When you subscribe to New Japan, you subscribe for the calendar month. Meaning if I subscribe on today, which is what I'm recording this, March, um, what's today? Jeez, is it March uh, 29, I want to say? March 29, 2018, okay? I'm only going to get through March 31, and then I'm going to be charged on April 1 for the month of April, okay? So you only get that calendar month. So if you're going to subscribe to New Japan, the best way to do so is to do it on the first of whatever month the event that you want to watch is, okay? So for Secure Genesis, that makes it easy. It's on April 1, so subscribe on April 1. Um, definitely, definitely, definitely subscribe on April 1 uh, because that's how you're going to best be able to view the show because um, otherwise you're going to be paying for an entirely... You're going to pay $10 now, and then you're going to pay another $10 immediately afterwards. You're going to be scratching your head as to why. That's why. Um, so just be cognizant of that if you are going to sign up through New Japan World, which I would recommend. I think this is going to be a pretty cool show. Um, I usually do two a year. I usually do Wrestle Kingdom in January and then the G1 Final, which is typically in August. Um, and then maybe if there's something that piques my interest in between, I'll do it. This might be that. Um, even though it is on a uh, holiday uh, this weekend. So with that, um, let's transition here into Raw and SmackDown from this past week, uh, where that is going and where things are leading into WrestleMania. Um, Because this podcast is running a little bit long right now, I'm already at about 34 minutes on the audio. Um, I probably am not going to go as long as I normally would with this, um, but let's see where it goes. So... Um, SmackDown, today is, I'm recording this on Thursday, SmackDown was on Tuesday, billed to the Daniel Bryan-Shane McMahon match, um, or Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon, I should say, against Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, um, to see if Sami and Kevin can get reinstated into WWE. So, what I don't like about that match stipulation is it sort of telegraphs the match, right? I mean, maybe it does, maybe it doesn't, I don't know how it wouldn't. Because, you know, you've got Sami Zayn um, now selling, by the way, for those that weren't aware, uh, El Generico, who was his, that was his um, alias back on the Indies, his masked Lucha alias. Um, he's selling El Generico merchandise, El Generico merchandise on ProWrestlingTees.com right now. And the WWE is allowing for it to happen. Um, the story that I read about that was because Zayn makes most of his money on TV appearances because he doesn't sell a ton of merch, uh, probably specifically since he turned heel. I don't even know if when the last time he came out with a new shirt. I'd have to go back and look. Um, but now that he's off of TV, he's making even less money um, above what his probably his downside guarantee is. So WWE apparently, and they must have, because I saw the ad on ProWrestlingTees.com, uh, in addition to reading a separate story about it, um, is allowing him to sell his old El Genrico merch uh, to make some cash. So, I mean, good for him. Um, I wonder how much of that is going to WWE. I don't know. Um, but yeah, if you want to, if you ever felt as though you wanted an El Genrico <laughs> t-shirt, now's the time. Go to Pro Wrestling Tees and get it because it is there. It's going to run through about WrestleMania. I think it's actually supposed to start selling tomorrow, March 30, uh, through April 9, I saw. Uh, which would be what? I think it's the, the day after WrestleMania. So you've got that window of time in which to go buy the merch. Um, 
but in any event, I think, again, maybe the sale date of the pro wrestling tee stuff also kind of telegraphs it in that's the day after WrestleMania, which would be Raw on Monday, and then SmackDown, assuming Sami Zayn's reinstated, would be Tuesday, April 10th. So he would be reemployed, right? Um, so I think it's telegraphed. Obviously, I haven't said it yet, but in the direction of Sami and Kevin winning this match um, against Shane and Daniel. And I would imagine the way they're going to have it probably go down is going to be along the lines of something happening between some miscommunication, possibly between Shane and Daniel, leading to the pin and the win for Sammy and Kevin. Um, and then Shane and Daniel end up having a few. So, and I don't know where that would culminate. It could culminate at the next SmackDown show. I can't even remember. I know Backlash is the next pay-per-view um, after WrestleMania Backlash this year, I think, is on, like, May 6th or 7th. Um, I don't remember if that's Raw and SmackDown. I know it's been SmackDown in the past, uh, but it could be a Raw brand of pay-per-view. Um, but in any event, that might be where they wrestle, or they could extend it. At this point, obviously, if they're going to extend it, they probably would do it to SummerSlam, although that would be a real, real long draw-out. Um from WrestleMania being in April to SummerSlam typically being in August. So that'd be about four months. That would be a little long, kind of difficult to string along for that period of time if they had a problem at WrestleMania. So we'll see. Um, But that is what I believe is being set up by SmackDown. I think that Daniel's uh, promo on SmackDown where he came out basically said, hey, look, you know, I'm not Daniel Bryan, the GM, at this very moment. I'm not, you know, Daniel Bryan, um, the PC wrestler, so to speak. I'm Daniel Bryan. Um, you know, I come and I do, you know, I, I t- try to take back what I need to take back, that being my wrestling career, and I'm going to kick these guys' asses. I, I thought that was a great promo um, on Brian's part. I thought the one, obviously, from last week being his comeback promo uh, was even better. And I thought it was just full of raw, real emotion on his part. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that everybody is going to have their eye on come April 8th um, and WrestleMania, and everybody's going to be excited to see. Even though the match on paper, you know, in a tag match is, like, you know, isn't great. You know, I think that Shane, you got to get a goofy Shane attached to it, goofy wild Shane in a way. Um, but seeing Daniel Bryan get back in the ring and get back in the ring opposite Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, who we all know can go uh, when motivated, I think will be a really cool thing to watch. And... Um, you know, seeing him deliver yes kicks, seeing him deliver those knees, in, you know, in the turnbuckles, um, and then even seeing him doing some stuff off off of the turnbuckle. Um, it's a big jumps, maybe going through a table, who knows? Um, but if that apron bomb by Kevin on SmackDown the previous week told you anything, it should tell you that Daniel Bryan's back and he's ready to roll, and he's ready to take bumps, and he's ready to go full tilt. Because... I, with Brian Danielson, Daniel Bryan, you know that he's not a guy who wants to come in and half-ass it. He's a guy who's going to want to come in and give it 110%. You know, not taking bumps is really not an option for him. I wouldn't imagine. Um, so it'll be a pretty awesome sight to see him come in and, and rock this thing. Um, also on SmackDown, we ended up getting the tag match for the... Um, SmackDown tag team titles between the New Day and the Usos, which we already knew was going to be a match, and then we added the Bludgeon Brothers 
which everybody sort of suspected. There's a lot of suspicion out there that there, that's going to be a ladder match, um, since I don't believe we have a ladder match on the card at this point, um, which could be interesting. I, the Bludgeon Brothers in a ladder match seems a little weird to me. They're more striker wrestlers, striker submission wrestlers, uh, not high flyers, certainly Luke Harper and Eric Rowan, but you know, that could be a, a kind of a cool element. I, I'd almost rather see New Day versus the Usos in a ladder match. I thought their Hell in a Cell match um, was pretty darn good um, from this past year, from 2017. So to have seen them one-on-one, well, I guess three-on-two, but you know, one team against the other team, once again, would have been neat. But the Bludgeon Brothers need their opportunity. I think that a lot of people are high on Luke Harper. I think that he has been underutilized in WWE, and here's his chance to go out once again and shine. And uh, we'll see if he can do it. I mean, Rowan, I, I don't think Rowan's... Again, kind of got the talent there. I think he's a little raw. He's not a guy to me from that standpoint that could be an upper card wrestler. But I don't know that Harper can either. I, I, there are a lot of people, again, as I stated, that are high on Harper. I haven't necessarily seen it. Maybe I just haven't seen a lot of his early work. I never really caught him in NXT. You know, Maybe he's got something that I haven't personally seen. But again, I haven't seen it. So if that's true, I'd like to. And maybe it'll come out um, in the tag match at WrestleMania. Um... Asuka came out and literally kicked a, another woman in the head and beat her within a minute. So that happened. That was that was something on the card uh, to build to her match with Charlotte for the women's title. Um, and then he had AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura. Now, let me talk about Styles Nakamura for a second. I, again, being somebody who's familiar with New Japan, I've basically watched New Japan, or at least paid attention to New Japan pretty religiously um, and known what's gone on in the promotion since, I want to say, November, December 2015. So that would have been just a couple months before Wrestle Kingdom 10. Um, So ever really since that time, I've been smart on the promotion enough to, to know what's going on. I think that WWE is banking too much on promoting the Nakamura Styles match on essentially another promotion's work being the Wrestle Kingdom 10 match for Styles and Nakamura. I think that, you know, a lot of times they come out and they say, we know that you want to see us fight and we know this is a dream match and what have you. Well, who knows that? I mean, does the, does the majority of the WWE universe know that? Because I think the answer is no. The majority of the WWE universe doesn't watch New Japan Pro Wrestling, they don't. As much as I like the promotion, they don't. So how could you possibly come out and promote that match as, well, you know, everybody wants to see this and everybody knows this is going to be, you know, a great five-star level match when nobody in WWE necessarily knows that, or at least none of the fans know that except the smart fans. And there are going to be a lot of smart fans at WrestleMania, let's face it. You know, you've seen those Raws after WrestleMania. It's packed, chock full of smart marks. It really is. And a lot of those individuals will at least be familiar enough with New Japan to know that AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura had a match there. But the far majority of the casual fan WWE universe isn't aware of that and hasn't seen that match. And they've done a bit of a better job, and I think they did a bit of a better job this past SmackDown with Styles and Nakamura's interactions and the kind of almost Kim Sasha 
from um, Nakamura to AJ's face. And then, of course, that's something that's an old... If you ever did watch Nakamura back in New Japan, that is vintage Shinsuke, where he runs up and kind of fakes you out with something. Um, I think that was pretty cool. So that was kind of a callback. But again, I know that because I watch New Japan Pro Wrestling. A lot, most of these people don't. But they've done a better job of promoing it most more recently. But again, I think they're relying too much on another promotion's work uh, with these two to kind of build this match, one. And then two, another dynamic that makes it difficult is it's, a, it's essentially a face-versus-face match. And face-versus-face matches, I think, are some of the most difficult matches to promo. I think they're more certainly more difficult than face-versus-heel and even more difficult than heel-versus-heel. I think that when you've got face-versus-face... It's, it's really difficult to get anybody super motivated. You want to, if you're the fan, watch somebody you don't like get beat up. And if you like both AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, and I would say the majority of the WWE fans appear, you know, appear, appear to like them both, it's tough to root specifically against one or the other of them, meaning making it also difficult to root for one or the other of them. Um, I think a lot of people are just hopeful that they're going to go out and put on a really good match. I'm just, again, because of the fact that it's a face-versus-face match, and I'm not sure how well it's been built within WWE, or the structure of WWE, I should say, I, I don't know if the uh, you know level of excitement within the arena, even though there are going to be smart fans there, I, I don't know if there's going to be enough of a crescendo and electricity from the arena, from... Um, those fans located the Superdome to really make this uh, a special thing. One thing that I'll say that I do like about about the match, um, however, despite the fact that it includes <laughs> two of my more favorite wrestlers, which should be number one on the list, but I also like the fact that I am not entirely sure who's going to win this match. I would suspect that's going to be Shinsuke Nakamura, but I could see them keeping the belt on AJ at the same time. So um, I do enjoy that. There is a bit of confusion and conflict within myself as to who I would put my money on uh, winning that match. I've not looked at the betting odds. I'm trying to keep myself away from the betting odds because I know that Bovada and there are a couple other places, um, I think in the UK specifically, that put odds um, on these matches, which again, I think is kind of nuts considering they're literally predetermined events um but they're so they're kind of you know hanging themselves out to dry from a liability standpoint if you know a lot of money is put on somebody but um i've not looked at the betting odds specifically because i really don't want to know i don't want any my hand kind of tipped as to what's going to happen here um but i think this is going to be a close one and i you know am interested to see if the wwe pulls the trigger on a guy like nakamura who's english and again, I watched SmackDown on Tuesday. His English is getting better, but it's probably not at the level that the promotion would want it to be specifically um, and definitely at the level that they would expect of somebody who's going to have a championship-level run. And I, I wouldn't want WWE to discriminate against anybody, certainly. Um, obviously not based upon race or origin or sex or anything like that. Um, that is not who I am. That I'm, I'm sure is not who that organization is, um, even though they've had their brushes in the past. Again, another episode we could talk about, you know, maybe Booker T, Triple H uh, from back when. But um, 
you know, I think they've learned their lesson with some of that stuff, and I think they've been much better about it recently. But it's still a promotion based in the United States. Um, you know, it caters mostly to English-speaking countries, again, primarily being the United States, Canada, and Britain, um, probably first and foremost. And if you can't speak English very fluently, that's going to hinder you to a degree. And I think that they've done a, a phenomenal job with Asuka, who speaks less English than Shinsuke does, um, and getting her this far, making her just basically out to be a monster, so to speak, in terms of her in-ring ability and just, just killing opponents. Um, I think that's kind of the way that they had to do it. Uh, but Shinsuke is doing better with English, and he can at least put together some sentences, I'm sure, that are pretty well rehearsed beforehand um, and get them out, and that's what he did this past week with AJ and, it, you know, with his personality, if he can, if he can become relatively fluent in English or at least, you know, be able to speak the language, um, without having to be very, very highly rehearsed as I think he still is at this point, he could really do something with his career in WWE. He could be a main player for a long time to come and they've developed his main player outside of that. So just imagine what he could do. Um, if he had that, again, as a part of his repertoire for the purposes of promos and what have you. So um, so that's basically it for uh, SmackDown. Moving back to Raw, this past Monday, uh, we had some additional, uh, again, set up for WrestleMania, essentially with respect to uh, the various matches they've got that are pushing on that side of things. Um, I think... One of the more interesting elements here is this whole Braun Strowman, who's his partner, uh, match against the bar. Um, you know, Strowman, who by all accounts appears to have you know, been sort of held out of any WrestleMania plans here until the last minute, um, pending his possible insertion into the Brock Lesnar-Roman um, Reigns battle, um, now, again, was left kind of hung out to dry, needed something to do. So he said, okay, why don't you enter this battle royal for uh, the number one contendership for the tag titles, just beat the crap out of everybody, win it by yourself, and <laughs> then you can battle the bar at uh, WrestleMania. So that's what's happening. The weird thing is I'm not sure that WWE still knows who to insert as his partner at WrestleMania or even if they're going to provide him with a partner. You know, the, the problem I think that they've got from that element of things. And I know that people are thinking, well, yeah, just don't give him a partner and, and have him beat you know, the bar and you know, he's just such a badass. Yeah, but you can't... I mean, what does it say? The bar is basically Raw's top tag team currently. So you're going to take your top tag team and two guys, one of whom is a former, I believe, a multi-time world slash WWE champion and have them both get beaten by this guy, I, it just doesn't seem like a very good idea, no matter how much of a monster you think Braun is, um, to have them jointly be defeated by this one guy. That it just doesn't, again, it, it would probably really rub the bar the wrong way and make the tag division even more relevant um, than it was previously. I think they've done a decent job of building it back up, specifically because of the bar, in large part, and I don't think you want to kind of undercut that or take that away by having them get, you know, manhandled, literally take these hands or get these hands by Braun Strowman. So the other aspect or the, the other thing that's been floated out there as a possibility is Rey Mysterio uh, coming in and being Braun's partner. 
um, because WWE, as everybody is aware, has been in discussions with Rey Mysterio. Um, there's been no finalization of anything. Mysterio then did not work the New Japan show in Los Angeles where he was supposed to have faced uh, Jushin Thunder Liger. Uh, instead, Will Ospreay took that match um, because of a torn bicep, apparently. So now the question, of course, being one, can they reach terms with Rey Mysterio? I think the answer to that appears to be yes, um, by all accounts. But then two, will Rey Mysterio, the ultimate question with Rey Mysterio, particularly towards the end of his WWE run, will he be healthy enough to wrestle? And if the answer to that is no, you know, then what do you do? I, I would imagine that WWE's got to have like a backup to the backup plan with Braun which could be teaming him up with Elias. It could be, um, you know, just, I guess, throwing anybody. He's throwing somebody from NXT in there. I know a lot of people have thought about the idea or put the idea out there of Lars Sullivan. Maybe that's something WWE has thought of because uh, Sullivan's such a beast down there in NXT and having them both just be monsters and run over everybody. It'd be kind of interesting, but, I, you know, again, I haven't seen anything from a WWE aspect that makes me think that the promotion's considering that. It seems to be more of a fan suggestion. Um, but they've got to have a backup there somewhere if Mysterio is not able to go because historically Rey Mysterio has not been able to go in these situations. He's had a lot of issues with his health and he hasn't been able to get it done. Um, so, you know, it, it will be interesting to see what they do with Strowman. I like the bar a lot. Cesaro and Sheamus are two of my, um, you know, favorite wrestlers right now. I was never a huge fan of Sheamus until he really teamed up with Cesaro. Um, then I've come to appreciate him more. Um, because I think they make a phenomenal team. I, I think they're you know pretty hilarious guys. I listened to them on the Edge and Christian podcast. Um, they were great guests on there, just very forthright, uh, very funny. Um, and they both seem like genuinely hard workers who are just nice guys. And you know, to me, that's when it comes to wrestling, it comes to, when it comes to anything where you're in the public eye, I, I think that's very important um, to at least have, have the aura out there, if nothing else, that you're a good dude. Um, in that, you know, they seem like they would be very good at doing things for the kids, um, be very cool to fans, that kind of stuff. That always, you know, makes me cheer for them even more. Um, so I don't want to see them get squashed. They're probably going to lose, I would imagine, to Strowman and whoever this mystery partner is. That's my guess. Um, unless they want to put on some sort of feud for Strowman afterwards. Again, if they make Elias' partner or something like that. So we'll have to see. Um, speaking of Elias, last thing before I close out this first episode um, I've heard that, uh, the rock, it seems, it seems like betting sites again, and this is again in the rumor mill here that the rock very well may make an appearance at WrestleMania 34. The last WrestleMania he appeared at was 32. Um, and then I think prior to that, well, he was at 31 with the Rousey angle and then he was at 30 doing like an opening speech there. I mean, the, the only one he's actually missed in the last few years was 33 being last year. Um, it sounds like he's going to appear. Now, there are also some odds out there that he's actually going to wrestle. I don't think if he's going to wrestle, it's not going to be anything more than what he did two years ago with Eric Rowan, which was, if you'll recall, it, that was a Wyatt family angle where it was Rowan, Wyatt, and Harper. And um, they were having, like going out with The Rock, and they literally just did an on-the-spot match between The Rock and Rowan where The Rock, rock bottomed him like immediately after the bell. And pin him in like two seconds. It was because it was 32 and it was in Dallas and everything was bigger in Texas. And they were trying to set records for attendance and fastest pin and whatever else. Okay. So that was the whole scheme behind that match. 
if there's going to be a match with The Rock this year, that's pretty much what it's going to be. I mean, there's not going to be, he's not coming out as Braun Strowman's mystery partner or anything else like that. He's that, that is not happening. Um, and he's not going to be involved in an actual match where he's taking bumps. He is a multi-million dollar, like a hundred million dollar movie star per year. I mean, this, this guy is not risking everything else that he has going on in life for, for the bump anymore. He's not, um, he's beyond that. And, um, we could have a separate discussion on another episode about whether or not we think that's okay. But um, to me, you know, he's he's a megastar. He's doing so well for himself and his family and his, you know, grandchildren's grandchildren right now and, and setting them up um, to have a legacy. And I, I think that that's something that's pretty undeniable. And I don't see how we can shirk his responsibility as, as kind of a parent um, in that regard. And, and make himself vulnerable to, you know, losing a ton of cash going forward. I, I just don't see it happen, happening. So what I do think could happen with him, though, and this is where I get the tie-in with Elias, Elias has basically called out anybody to have kind of a sing-off or a guitar-off at WrestleMania. It would not shock me in the least if that is The Rock's appearance. If he comes in, and I would hope that he would do it, what would be the ultimate is if he came out with the Hollywood Rock intro which everybody remembers being the long drawn out uh, helicopter flying above Los Angeles uh, with the music just kind of, uh, uh, you know, that, I mean, that intro was so obnoxious in and of itself that it was hilariously obnoxious. I used such a great heel, I thought, for that 2003 run. I thought it was so funny with Bald Rock, who wore the you know leather vest out and played the guitar with the sunglasses. I, I really hope that he would actually come out in that rock persona. I think that would be just so funny uh, to see him go with Elias. Um, and hopefully this time he talks in the third person. I think the last time he appeared on Raw, at least, which I think was since WrestleMania 32, but he wasn't speaking in the third person. He wasn't saying, the rock does this, the rock does that. He was saying, I, I, I. And I was like, where did this come from? I. Has he not done the character enough recently where he forgets that he is the rock? And he's got to speak in third person. That's what he's got to do. Um but, you know, it's always fun to see him make an appearance. I hope that he does that. Um, I know WWE's in discussions with Hulk Hogan. I saw a blurb. All, all I saw was the headline this morning saying that Hogan isn't planning on appearing at WrestleMania 34. Um, who knows? They might have another couple other big surprises. They usually do. Um, the card as a whole, uh, I think, is shaping up decently. I think it's shaping up decently. There are a good amount of matches that I'm energized to see it's just a matter of kind of of where they put them because i like the smackdown tag match who knows that could be a kickoff match i don't know where they're going to put some of this stuff um so we'll have to see how they lay it all out i'm not excited for the u.s title match i'm more excited for the intercontinental match as long as they don't add anybody else i think just keeping it at ms rollins um and uh, finn balor i think is enough it, please don't add anybody to that match keep it the way it is um you know, I think that the, like I said, the Nakamura-Styles match, which I talked about, I think is going to be a very good match. Potentially could be a classic, depending on um, not only how much time they give them, but what they allow them to do. Um, and then I think the Brock-Reigns match is just going to be Brock and Reigns. That's not, doesn't excite me. I'm not a huge Reigns guy, not a huge Brock guy. I'll watch it, but I'm not going to be enthralled by it. Um, kind of in interested to see what the crowd reaction is going to be in that match. But, and then I have no interest. And this is, you know, you might, Stop listening to the podcast here off the first episode, here right at the end, um, just because of what I'm about to say. But I have no interest in the Cena-Undertaker match. 
Taker's going to show up presumably on Raw uh, this Monday, choke slam Cena, do whatever he's going to do. Um, but I, I think Cena's done a pretty decent job actually of promoing this, given the short time frame he's had to do it. Um, but I don't have any interest in seeing Undertaker wrestle anymore. I don't. I, I think that that hip and all his body's just broken down. The guy's fifty two years old. He just turned fifty two. He's going to be stepping into that ring. And, and, you know, Chris Jericho at forty seven can still put on one of the best matches I've ever seen him put on. But that's because he's a smaller guy. And he's got other elements to what he does. He's, there's more comedy involved. Um, there, he can move better still, again, because he is smaller and there hasn't been as much wear and tear in his body. Taker's a big dude. And if you're that large and, and you get into your 50s in particular, I mean, for guys that are that big, getting into your 50s is an accomplishment in and of itself. If you're, if you're seven foot plus. I mean, let alone being able to go out and actually athletically compete. I mean, people who are that large, they have, you know, cardiovascular problems. Um, you know, they have a number of ailments that, you know, the onset of which is significantly earlier than it is for your average size human. So for, for a guy that big to go at it at 52 and, and try to do it in the ring, he just can't do it anymore. He just can't. And, um, it's going to be a real slow-paced match. It's it's not going to be something I'm really wanting to see. I'm sure Cena's going to do his best because even in his 40s, John Cena can still go, man, and he keeps himself in perfect shape and he does everything he can. Um, and I'm sure he'll be motivated to have a great match with Taker, but um, that is going to be one that I could pass on, frankly. Um, so again, if, if you listen to the podcast up until this point and you're a huge Undertaker fan, it was nice to have you listen. Um, Otherwise, you know, those are the opinions I'm going to have. Uh, you know, I express my opinion. That's what this show is about. Um, I hope that people continue to listen. And um, I will see you on the next episode. Like I said, this will be a weekly thing. I'll try to release them probably around Wednesday, Thursday, uh, just because I'll probably want to have them after Raw and SmackDown for the week so I can at least get that in. We'll talk about New Japan. We'll talk about WWE. We'll talk about um, ROH. Probably not so much Impact. I don't really watch Impact. Um, I at least know what's going on with ROH impact. I don't really have a lot of attention to, um, but we'll talk about anything else that's going on in the wrestling world that might be controversial or big. Um, so keep listening. Um, again, this is Brendan Dennis. I'm signing out on episode one and, uh, I will be talking to you soon. Thanks. Bye.